So, hello everybody, welcome to this Sonic Talk special. I suppose you could call this, uh, this actually this gets us a little bit closer to episode 400, sneakily, without having to do an extra week. Uh, this is a part of our NAM coverage, NAM 2015 has just passed, we've done two weeks uh, sort of analysis and we've also got uh, guests from our editorial team here today to uh, kind of wrap up some of the other stuff that we haven't actually had a chance to talk about yet. So I want to introduce to you uh, two of our team. Uh, first of all, we've got Richard Beach here. Uh, who's guitars editor Amped, who needs to turn notifications off on his phone because they're going to be going the whole time. <laughs> is the uh, is the chat window on the uh, on the chat on the live stream? Which oh. I'm now uh, well, I thought I'd turned it off. Oh, uh, I don't know whether you can. Right. Uh, well, I, I do encourage uh, Richard, of course, is our uh, guitars editor, but also you may recognize his visage from uh, the, all the videos there on the guitar side from uh, NAM 2015. So hello, Rich. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Um, no worries. And we've also got Ed Butterworth, uh, who uh, you probably may have seen if you've seen any of our modular stuff. Ed's been covering the modular stuff from NAM, and he was basically running between two booths, upstairs and downstairs, uh, where yeah. uh, Schneider's being one, and uh, what was the other one? That Was it Big City Music? Uh, no, it was the uh, Muff Wigglers booth. But next to Muff Wigglers, you had... Um pittsburgh and also make noise it was like a kind a of the other guys the well. modular city if you like it was yeah so uh, and we're mostly done with videos there are a few more going up if i did spot the alpha sphere uh 3d or uh I, I forget the name of it went up just this very moment so uh, basically what we wanted to do is try and cover because on the main podcast obviously we've been talking a lot about uh the kind of more mainstream recording and tech and sort of synthesizer stuff and not so much the modular um there's also something i should mention obviously the show is sponsored by isotope and there will be an ad playing but we're not going to be doing a giveaway on this one but i will show you the competition from yesterday's show so if you didn't catch that uh, you'll be able to see it again today and hopefully enter so i think they'll call that a tease so um ed i'm going to start with you because this was your first nam uh, you've been it to was, music yeah. messer yeah what would you say the comparisons are like? Is there any comparison? Oh, there's definitely a comparison. Um, <laughs> music Messer is definitely a lot more chilled. Uh, and also, this was the first time I was doing stuff on my own. Before uh, Music Messer, I've uh, just filmed Rob on camera. Who's the another? Uh, yeah, on the guitar so, side, yeah. Yeah, so for me, because I'm kind of into the modular stuff, it was really nice to be able to cover that side of stuff. Um, and obviously this year there was just like loads and loads of people showing new interesting things. So yeah, it was good. And how did you Retiring. find? Yeah, it is tiring. It's kind of quite overstimulating. I mean, that's the one thing that we find. You know, it's like your your short term memory just vanishes. At least mine does. Did you find the same sort of effects? Yes, I found um, especially when when you're in a difficult situation and it's quite difficult to hear and someone's telling you about something that's pretty complex, uh, you tend to... Glaze over? Just, yeah, <laughs> and, and then you think, what What did I just shoot? I can't remember anything. I, I like even, even the two minutes afterwards, you're saying thanks for the interview, and you're just like, I have no idea what I just shot. I don't even know what this module's called. It's funny that, isn't it? But it, And it, it's more of a self-preservation thing. I think it's kind of like the same thing that you get. Um, it's like a, a basic animal instinct. It's like fight or flight. You know, when you're when you suddenly get a load of adrenaline, you just kind of everything else goes, you know, you 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 
and you're, you're ready to run, you know. And I think it must be something to do with that. You just your brain shuts down and thinks, I've just got to function on breathing, not falling over, uh, no, you know, not hurting anybody by by ill-advised movement. And it's and so you just kind of your your brain just functions on the basic motor skills, and then and then after that it opens up again and you can remember. But it's a curious effect. There was a there was a point when I first went to the, I think it was the Schneider's. Uh, like that, the big one up in Hall A, the big modular booth in Hall A. Um, when I first got there, and I I didn't have anything booked, I didn't have anyone particular that I needed to see right then. So I kind of just ran away, stood there like, <laughs> uh, where do I go from here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so Rich, for you, obviously it was uh, it was not your first name. How many is it now? Five. Yeah, this is year five for me, so um, a, a veteran. Like a veteran. Yeah, a, a jaded veteran. I met someone on the plane who'd done thirty. Really, I think by that point I probably would have either died or left the industry. Well, you uh, never know. I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm uh, hoping not to do either. <laughs> uh, I, I, no, I'm what I meant to say is by that point <laughs> I was celebrating my long and vibrant career. <laughs> so, from your point of view, I mean, obviously um, you cover mainly from the guitar side. What was your impressions this year in terms of you know that side of things? Um, well, like I said, well, the, the jaded thing wasn't actually too far away from the truth. I, I did go to this show feeling a bit um, bored of seeing the same uh, effects circuits in slightly different stomp boxes by slightly different companies. And <laughs> I actually made a joke or a comment beforehand to quite a few people that um, you know, oh, this is going to be the year of the tremolo, and I was that was a complete joke and. I was really surprised when I got to Nam, and there were loads of amazing tremolo pedals, um, which was quite surprising because uh, you, you would have thought you can't really do much more with tremolo than had already been done. Uh, so I actually thought it was a really great show. I saw lots of interesting things. Uh, a good trend was that there were much more. Um, I thought there were much more pedals at affordable prices that were perhaps in the boutique market. Um, which shows that the boutique market is maybe getting its uh, its stuff together and is getting the distribution in place in order to actually drive down costs slightly and, and, and stuff like that, which is good. And I actually, um, I, I my first synth arrived today, my first ever analog synth. So um, I actually Let's got into that. Turning to the world. dark side. Turning to yeah. the dark side, so that's, yeah. Well... And, and that was, I mean, because you posted something, because Strymon, uh, um, it's interesting, Strymon have been, it's almost like Strymon pedals uh, got adopted more by synth players before guitarists, or at least, you know, you'd hear a lot more about it from synth players than perhaps uh, I would have from guitarists. And now, you know, you had the opportunity to plug in, uh, you did that video where you plugged the, uh, what was it, the microbrute? Yeah, so that's actually what I got in the end was a, a microbrute, and um, I... I actually have. A, I bought a, a Strymon Big Sky while I was in America, the reverb pedal as well. So that was what I actually did while I was while I was at Nam. I ran a microbrute into a Big Sky at the show just to see what it sounded like. Really impressed. And I think what the thing you say about um, uh, you know Strymon being picked up by synth players before. Uh, sorry, I know synth players isn't the right phrase, but I'm still learning. Sorry, uh, by by synthesizer enthusiasts before it's picked up by guitarists was. Uh, it's probably a testament to the fact that synth guys have better taste in audio, um, and I, I don't know, maybe something to do with the pricing as well, but um, Strymon are just huge right now. Um, 
I think you know their distribution is being improved, and they're only going to get bigger as well. So is that is that because there's been a kind of guitarist, uh, a, a spe- you know, a specific guitarist who's kind of gone, yeah, this is the pedal I use. You know, that's sort of because what quite often in the guitar world, it's very much artist led, uh, perhaps not so much in the in in the synth market. Yeah, well, actually, uh, no, weirdly, because they don't, um, Strymon are really specific about what they do with artists. They won't be seen to endorse any particular artist. They won't give free pedals to artists. Um, you know, if you're in the industry, you can quite often get free stuff. And uh, I, I, I paid recommended retail price for, for the pedal that I brought. Um, so I think that's actually a pretty clever way of doing business. And something interesting I found out is that every single person who works at Strymon is a former Line 6 employee, which I, f- I found really mind-blowing because the, they're two opposite ends of the, the digital market, really, the way they're perceived right now. So that, that was kind of shocking to me. And um, maybe it's just a case of uh, lots of brilliant people who had brilliant ideas and maybe didn't get to do them as part of a huge company have now gone off and formed this uh, you know, splinter group. Um, and you know they're really kind of kicking kicking butt and taking names so um it's it's cool to see and and actually i think you know the biggest market that they're involved in is probably the praise and worship market in america in terms of guitar stuff so um you know i think that real high end sound has helped them there as well you know and those people have money to spend so that's yeah it's inter- i mean the one thing i didn't really know and this is something that you know we've we in certainly in the recording and the plugins and that side of thing shark dsp chips are the things that kind of power a lot of the ds the high power dsp stuff in that area and as far as i'm aware the strymon stuff is shark based as well so it's you know these are kind of very high-end uh custom real-time dsp chips that uh i'm trying to think who put i think it was uh, tc electronic used to put them in their stuff and they go in various other things as well and they they really are kind of i think the sharks might even be in the universal audio uh power plugins products as well so i don't know if they're the same chip or whether they're the same family of chips but obviously there's i think it's fair to say that line six generally speaking their stuff is more about emulation of classic gear and classic combinations than kind of really far out although they do have far out stuff it's not their core kind of thing would that be fair to say yeah i think so uh line six is one of those interesting companies that probably cross over into the somewhere between the amp side of sonic and the tech side um they seem to have interest on on both of our channels but um yeah i guess they emulate stuff if, if that's the kind of thing you're after then fair enough but the other problem is there are also other companies that do that they do products that cost more like um axe fx which is um getting a lot of popularity and uh, the kemper profiling amp which yeah. cost a fair amount of money but uh, i think you know there's there's a certain market the line six aim at they they hit it and absolutely fair enough it's just a, a different market to the one that's um probably growing fastest right now on the guitar side of things oh that's true and actually that we did have a, a, a kemper upgrade uh, the version three and kemper they've they've targeted name producers who just kind of go i've profiled all my wacky and broken but great sounding amplifiers into here so that i can use them wherever i are they've really kind of seem to have nailed that and they're big in a lot of uh, guitar studios aren't they uh yes yeah they are I, any pitch you see of a studio now um tends to have a kemper in there they're, i mean they're really cool things so why not if you've got the money and you earn you actually earn a living from doing that sort of thing then why not but um you know i i don't gig and i i don't record people anymore sadly um even though i'd very much like to so i can't really justify having one around because to me it would just be a cool piece of kit i have um for making music and i don't do anything 
uh, commercially. So to yeah. me, it's pointless. But, yeah. Great for reamping and what have you. That seems to be the kind of yeah. the main trend that it seems to work on. You know, you record clean and uh, and record through the Kemper as well. And uh, Ed, uh, in terms of um, the modular side, I mean, obviously we saw a massive explosion. I mean, there's just it's kind of crazy, and it, I get the sense that there are more modular maybe maybe the same number of modular manufacturers but they've somehow been beavering away and actually making a living which means they can afford to come to places like NAM and work on yeah. even more things so that just that is a very positive uh just sort of uh, outlook for the entire area of that right yeah i think so i think um especially with lots of companies kind of making really uh exciting new not necessarily analog but you know, digital stuff and um, just really weird stuff that you just don't think of in terms of being a module. Mm. Um, and I think it's also, it's kind of, it's quite good as a reaction to lots of the big companies making, reissuing um, old synths. I think you might be talking about something specifically. I mean, obviously Korg have been doing it and interestingly enough um oops excuse me wrong shot uh, interestingly enough um the odyssey seems to have it, it, it had a massive because we you were at Mesa last year when it was when we thought it might be there and there was lots of people going, have you seen the odyssey is it going to be here it's going to be here and there was this huge amount of interest and excitement about it but the actual launch as we discussed on yesterday's show seemed to be a bit of a kind of uh, yeah okay great it's here and that was sort of it it's, it's very curious whereas now um with these these sort of other more well innovative guys there's more excitement i mean what what do you say what do you think the more sort of innovative digital side is because i mean i'm again i didn't see a lot of that there because it was just not where i was i mean the the waldorf uh nw1 when i first heard that announced i thought oh you know another wavetable um oscillator because there's lots already on the market by different uh manufacturers um but actually, once I went and heard it, and and you can also record your own wavetables into it, which is really cool. Um, I just it kind of blew my mind a bit. I was like, yeah, man, this uh, this sounds really good. So you can record your own wavetables in. So it's got yes. sample. It's got sample RAM, or you drop drop them in via USB or whatever. Uh, I I think you can record audio directly into it. Oh right. I think. That's interesting. So does that mean we're getting into kind of it'll do granular stuff as well as uh, wavetable stuff because it's going to take little slices? There's a question uh, for I you. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how small the uh, wavetable can go, or how or how long it can be either. Uh, uh, Andy in the chat room. Andy Keys in the chat room uh, just says titled uh, as a post said USB. So it may well be that you just you fire it in digitally like that because i'm sure there must be a finite amount i mean i imagine you know it's going to be quite a small amount of yeah. ram and if you're trying think, to record i think it's only uh eight megabytes i think oh right he says 20 this is going to be so it's going to be okay. a bat of the stat, battle of the stats <laughs> i could look <laughs> i'm it up. sure i'm sure he said to me uh eight megabytes but maybe he was wrong on a day Waldorf, um, hey, Stefan. nw1 right let's have a look is that what it's called? NW1 Overview. Let's see what it, what this says about it, just out of interest. I think I've got a video that um, uh, Wavetable Synthesis, Eurorack, uh, oh, specifications. Let's have a look. It does look very nice. It's got that kind of uh, wave vibe to it. I mean, does it sound significantly different to just, you know, I don't know, say the, um, uh, the Blofeld or any of those things? 
Is it no, just wavetables? I, I, I mean, it's just wavetables, but it's just uh, ah, a lot can... of nice control that they've kind of ported from the kind of same controls that you can get on uh, their Nave app um, are now CVable through the module. It's a big old module, though, isn't it? 32 HP. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that rather suggests that we're going to start seeing or need to see some, some pretty cool and... Uh, more cost-effective case solutions because i mean you've got you know a lot of the modules that we have seen are, are fairly enormous yeah i think i think that's been uh i've noticed that recently as well is that a lot of people or a lot of companies are releasing stuff that is big um and they're not so worried about size which um is good if you can afford to buy a new case or build a new case but if you can't then uh maybe it's not so good and the, the but then also, I think I think people are releasing bigger stuff, which is deeper, so you have more functions on it. Um, Could is is there a um, a crossover here with the with the pedalboard market? Because that that's another thing that has you know got huge with uh, Salvage Custom Shop and Temple Audio, Pedal Train. A lot of people coming up with uh, solutions, making a lot of money out of it. Could those companies step into that game? I want no create cases that you could put Eurorack stuff into. Yeah. I, I guess I mean, it's sure the for the floor. They, they, they've got the means to do it and they've got the distribution and the, you know, obviously the, the ability in-house to be able to create that sort of thing. Well, that's that's an interesting point because, I mean, I think we're going to see, you know, it, even though, you know, Eurorack, we're already saying, is, is huge already, I think it's going to become even bigger this year because I, I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating we're going to see some of the main manufacturers kind of moving in and start because you know you can't see a market like that expanding and go hmm you know leave it too late i mean so i mean what would be awesome if yamaha did that would be really interesting because they've got absolutely no history of anything modular and it would be a good time for them to jump in but i i mean i can't see that ever likely to happen but it would be this these are the sort of opportunities that are presenting themselves yeah and yeah. So somebody, somebody in the um in the chat room just uh, sort of, uh gloomstar just asked where you would even start with with modular, uh, modular. So that's, that's a mean, question. I think. Yeah, I started uh, with a tip-top audio happy ending kit, um, which is kind of just like a bare bones sort of uh, rack with which is nineteen inch rack that you could fit into um, a regular rack, um, and that cost probably I think once I got it because I ordered it from there wasn't anywhere to buy it in the UK at that point. And I ordered it from Schneider's, and I think it came to around £130. So that's just one row. Um, But also, you know, you can buy... So you can buy uh, the the power supply for something like that with just a... uh, Which would would do, like, one row. You could buy just the power supply and then just... And the rails and then just build your own enclosure. And, of course... I've seen people... Sorry. I've seen people do it with, you know, cardboard and stuff, just kind of making cardboard ends and then uh, and sticking the rails on it. So as a, you know, I don't, I think there's a lot of worry and that is kind of like the, the, the off-putting thing with modulos that, you know, I have to buy a case, I have to, um, I have to, I, ha- I have to think, there's a lot to think about before you get started, before you buy your first module. But actually, once you do you know buy a power supply and uh some rails it's not really that much to think about yeah i mean it's quite 
one of the things that we have seen also is there's a lot of modular manufacturers are creating kind of just complete units. So you've got the Pittsburgh stuff, you've got the, uh, in fact, the um, uh, Boomstar, Boom Mod, is it Modstar, Mod which is a complete system in one go. Pittsburgh have done a, a number of those. And everybody, see, that seems to be another. So starter kits seems to, be, yeah. seems to be a big way of going as well. I mean, did you see anything there at the show that, you know, re- that really floated your boat as a, as a complete system? That's a, big, a good as place a to start. a complete system. I mean, I, I've never really been that interested in complete systems because, I don't know, I think the beauty of uh, modular stuff is that you don't, you don't start with something, you know, nobody told you that, you, that your synth's going to have these oscillators, this filter, etc. Um, so, but the, the Boomstar stuff sounded really good. It was really thick and, you know, meaty. Yeah, I mean those oscillators do sound fantastic. I mean that was the one thing for me when I reviewed the, reviewed reviewed the Boomstar, which I've just got sat on the desk here. It's it, it just you know the raw stuff sounds good, and that's the thing that you know it seems to be you can you can really tell the difference. Uh, and I don't know whether you know I guess in in many ways, Rich, it's kind of a bit like you know when you get a great sounding guitar, you know just the raw the raw instrument itself has a certain something about it that is a great starting point. Yeah, I actually, I, I think the um, the parallel between the growth of the modular market and the growth of the uh, the pedal market and the guitar side of things is is um, kind of symptomatic of the fact that maybe people can't go out and spend a huge amount of money straight away on an entire rig. You know, I uh, I don't know many people that could have just gone out and bought a really expensive guitar, a really expensive amplifier, and you know maybe just one distortion pedal, like you know may have been done in the past, but now that you can buy, you, you can build your tone in small sections, and it, it seems like it's really similar on the um, on the synth side of things. So, you know, I don't know if for, for me, obviously, on the guitar side, a guitar would be the starting place, and you would you would build from there. But I kind of now I know no matter what guitar I plug into my rig, I'm always going to have this certain bank of pedals. If I want to upgrade my distortion pedal and get a more uh, expensive one, then I can sell mine. Um, when I've got a little bit of extra money, I can buy another one. Um, I imagine it's the same in the in the modular world. You're probably just always aiming for something you're probably never even going to achieve, but it's fun to have yeah. Uh, yeah. something you can chop and change. So it makes total sense to me why both of those markets are proliferating massively right now. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, just bringing it back to sort of the whole Nam question. I mean, one of the things that uh, that that you know is clear is, is is this 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 trend towards small innovative companies, which I, I'm it's a massive breath of fresh air because I mean I think as consumers stepping outside of the electronic music market or the music market, you know, we're probably all a bit sick of large corporate multinational corporations just telling us what we what we have to do and how we do it and then ripping us off for tax and all of those things. I mean, it's not there's something really nice and kind of homespun notion about it, and I know that. It was something that you saw at NAM, which was the Little Thunder uh, pedal, which I might just play a little bit of, and then perhaps we can comment about it. Uh, yeah, not a pedal, a pickup. Pickup, that's right. I, yes, you're absolutely right. And this is where my video system will play. I press the button a load of times, and it keeps coming in. So just uh, just wait for it to catch up. There it goes. Uh, obviously, our our, uh, our valued sponsors are going to be at the front of all our videos. I hope this is the right video. Let me see. Universal Audio there, and... Uh, hey, Richard Beach here from SonicState.com. I'm at NAM 2015, uh, day one. About to look at one of the products that kind of has most buzz about it. Uh, 
a lot of people are really excited about this and this is the first time that I'm actually getting to hear it in the flesh as it were so Andy out can you tell us about the product some of the changes that have been made to it since perhaps people first uh, knew about a little thunder when you released the videos online sure thank you for coming by uh, so it's okay you can lean back here called a little thunder <laughs> it's a guitar pickup that you can put in any guitar and it adds a bass signal to the guitar I've always felt like the guitar had this potential to add a lot more sonic depth, but for some reason it was just like it never really had that deep, low growl. So anyway, on our final version of this product, which is right here, you get all six guitar strings, but when you touch, and this is cool, it's capacitive touch, when you touch the bottom, you get a bass signal on the bottom two strings, so check it out. Since we launched our Kickstarter really in late October, uh, we amassed, it was kind of interesting, a lot of interest around yeah. the idea. I you know, different genres, jazz players wanted to come. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but that, that to me, that seems to generate a lot of interest, and it's just a sort of really neat idea. How does it actually work with the outputs? Do you need multiple amps, or can you merge the, sig the signals back in? How does that work? Because it's got a separate output, right, if I remember correctly? Yeah. Yeah, so you have two options. You can run a stereo cable out, which you can then obviously run to two separate effects banks, two separate amplifiers, whatever you want to do. Uh, so that's that's one option. The other option is to just run it out mono, and I, I guess that would end up sounding more like an octave pedal. Um, but obviously you've only got the octave. It's like having an octave pedal that only works on the first two strings of your guitar. So um, I must confess that actually I've ordered one of these, and Andy, the guy who developed it, is, uh, is shipping it over right now so hopefully I'm expecting it to arrive soon and I can review it and um, probably going to put it in the Jazz Master that I, I recently bought um, the Fender Modern Player Jazz Master so um, yeah it's a really interesting product and I, I'm thinking about perhaps um, obviously sending out to two separate signals bass amp and a guitar amp uh, doing some different effects with the the bass side just to make it sound again a bit uh, to, to make it sound like a different signal to the um, to the guitar side, so I don't know if I can play around with latency and stuff like that just to make it sound a little bit less like an octave pedal. Um, but I don't know. I'll have to wait until I get my hands on it, really. And does it just output the um, the signal, the, the octavided signal? It doesn't split the Or do you get both, sort of the upper octave and the lower octave, if you see what I mean, the, the original sound of it and the, and the wet sound? Yeah, so um, how I understand it works is that from your stereo signal, you would get the um, the guitar signal would go to right. the right hand side, and the bass signal would go to the left. So they would be two completely isolated signals. Ah, got you. It's going to really. Uh, I mean, if this sort of thing had been around, you know, when the White Stripes and the uh, uh, is it Royal? Uh, is it Royal? Some, yeah, Royal Blood. Yeah, just, just said Royal Royal Blood guitar. So um, yeah, exactly. You know, it would. <laughs> If they could get one of these to Royal Blood uh, before they write their next album, then um, you know maybe there's a potential for a huge endorsement there. <laughs> and how, what, does, what does that actually cost, the Little Thunder? Um, off the top of my head, it's something like hundred and maybe one hundred and eighty dollars or something like that. I paid for it in Nam, and there was a, a special deal on. Um, again, I'm actually <laughs> this is an endorsement where I'm actually paying for the product rather than just asking if I can blag one for free. Um, so must try yeah, harder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but no, I, I I do really like it, and they're a new company, and I I want to support them with. Wow, yeah, app. they've uh, they've doubled their Kickstarter um, start up, haven't they? So uh, yeah. it doesn't say it's one. Oh, hold on, let's have a look. Twenty five bucks or more. Let's see what the actual. I mean, this is a guess. 
So for 199 bucks, you get a pickup. So it's going to be around the around that uh, area, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that looks pretty neat. Um, okay. So Ed, over to you. I mean, I'm getting, you know, you did the modular awards and stuff. I mean, that just seems like a really brilliant idea that immediately, I mean, it appeals across the board because you just go, hey, that's cool. If I play guitar, I'd like one of those. Have you got a similar kind of product in the, um, on, the on the module or the synth side? Uh. I mean, there's stuff that kind of I can't really think of anything. Ah, like I've got him. Uh, you caught me out. <laughs> Excellent. Um, but I mean, that you know, in terms of what what you saw, just generally speaking, was there something that just impressed you generally? I, I mean, I know you were you, you were very keen on the uh, the Waldorf, but uh, any other stuff? Uh, I liked uh, the make noise stuff. I thought that sounded really good, especially that the uh, they had like that three um like a three voice uh additive uh synth ah. module which is pretty cool um yeah so as your heads just said the mutable instruments modules um they're really really cool um they weren't at uh nam i did actually try to contact um uh oliver olive olivia sorry yeah um but he i yeah, he wasn't. He didn't go to Nam in the end. Um, oh, that's a shame. But yeah, the mutable instrument stuff is really kind of uh, out there and exciting. Um, and that's DSP based stuff in many cases. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and like I, I mean, I reviewed their uh, MIDI to CV interface, and that was just kind of like there was just so much stuff in it, and that I kind of that's kind of seems to be a running theme with all of their modules is that they, you know, that it looks like something quite, uh, regular, something quite obvious. And then once you get into it, there's just so many different like hidden Easter eggs and what have you. Yeah. So I, I think, I think, I think as, as a company, I think, uh, mutable instruments are one to really look out for. Yeah, I mean, it seems certainly on the synthesizer side, I mean, obviously we got great excitement from the, you know, the modular massive one, which is just a recreation of the 1960s models. And then we've got the uh, the Dave Smith uh, Prophet 6, which has the, you know, analog VCOs. But where the real excitement seems to be coming, you know, or certainly has been, is is the, the idea of figuring out new ways of controlling analog equipment with digital control i mean certainly i've got the mfb dominion over here and that's i think there's a lot of digital control of analog circuitry there because the vcos and the vcf are obviously voltage control but it's the way that they actually then control it and the things that you can do with that that's sort of quite exciting yeah i think um i think that's the way it's heading uh for me that's the most exciting thing is uh new stuff really i'm not really uh, well, or, okay, when I started uh, my modular synth, I, you know, I kind of wanted uh, an analog sound. And then once I got into it and kind of got more into the modular stuff, and then especially recently, I've just kind of thought, that's not really the most interesting thing. The most interesting thing is all the digital stuff that's coming out and all the, the digitally controlled stuff. 
Mm, yeah, definitely. And, and I suppose on the guitar side, I mean, it's still, I mean, obviously the guitars are analog source. So, I mean, you know, that's why you're going to, you're going to get less of that. Although we got DSP based effect. I mean, we talked about Strymon already uh, in that sense. Um, I mean, any other, any other business from you in terms of guitar products? I know that there were several things that really kind of got, got you going at now, Rich. Yeah, so there's one thing which uh, I heard and in my new sort of headspace as a wannabe synth guy, I thought, uh, you know, I'd really love to plug a synth into that. And that was the Catalin Bread Antikthon. And uh, the video yeah, is possibly... Really crazy. It is really crazy. And I've showed it to people and they either absolutely hate it or absolutely love it. And it's basically a fuzz circuit that... Um, it, the, does a load of crazy things depending on the input volume. So you can use your volume knob on your guitar to um, like uh, change a rate of a tremolo, and or it's you know it ends up sounding like a tremolo, uh, which is really cool. And the description that Howard from from Catalan and Bread gave me in the video uh, was quite funny. I'd never heard the pedal when we were um, making the video. I'd I'd heard about the product, but I I think hadn't. I think that deserves, I, I've got this here. I, let me just play this and see what happens. I might just I hope our sponsors will forgive me, but I guess this is this counts as. Uh, internal use. At NAMM 2015, I'm at the Catalan Bread booth with Howard, and uh, we're about to look at a pedal. And in the madness of NAMM, all I've seen is just literally a photo of this on uh, the guy's Facebook page. So I haven't heard it. I've been told that I should be nervous and excited about it. Uh, first of all, what does Antikdom mean uh, uh, as a word? I think I might put, fast forward this because I know that it goes on for a really long time, Rich. <laughs> it, it does. And it was just, you know, the, the comments in the video are just like, uh, you know, there were people who tweeted me saying your face at, you know, one minute, whatever is, is you know, hilarious. And, and I, I had no idea what it was going to sound like. And I don't think he actually played it for about three minutes. Let's see, um, whether let's see if we can find him playing some. <laughs> Put on your spacesuits and um, let's do it. I'm so intrigued. So basically, it responds to the level that goes into it and various different parameters. It's not just tremolo, though, right? No, no. It, I mean, it is a fuzz pedal, and you can make it sound like, uh, you know, a maestro, or you can make it sound a bit like a fuzz face, and and that's really cool. But then you you can make it. If you watch that video, he makes kind of like whale noises with it that then that end up. I just think I put in the description like end up sounding like you put a jet engine in a lawnmower. So like. <laughs> It oscillates from sounding like a whale to sounding like you know it's a jet engine you know crossed with a chainsaw crossed with a lawnmower, and you can do all these crazy things with it, um, and it reacts completely differently, like, like you say, depending on the input signal. So if you put a Les Paul in there with hot humbuckers, it'll sound different to if you put a Strat in there. If you put a synth in there, which is a much hotter signal, you know I, I can't wait to hear what it sounds like. And um, Howard, uh, this is another product from NAMM that I, is arriving at my house soon. Um, so uh, that will arrive. I will plug a guitar and a synth into it and, and have some fun with it. So I just thought it was, it was really refreshing. It was really inventive. And, and 
I heard a few people say, well, it's not that usable. And, and actually, uh, the quality of fuzz sounds you can get from it for the price, which off the top of my head wasn't massive. It was something like 160 USD. Um, you know, that, it's a great fuzz pedal at, at, the, at the very worst. You know, and at the very best, it's something you can be very inventive with and have a lot of fun with. So, um, yeah, don't, don't listen to the haters. That's a really cool product. Yeah, and, uh, I, I actually showed it to a, a friend of mine because I thought, you know, this was a really interesting product that I saw or that I saw your video of. And, um, and at first he was just like, yeah, you know, it can do that kind of dying dolphin sound. And is that really that great? Um, but then, we, and then we played through the video and he started hearing all these really, uh, nice sounding, like just distortions, fuzz sounds. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that, I, I guess that's what you could sell it on. It almost kind of, had an element of uh what's that uh the zvex fuzz ah. factory yeah because of that kind of like really it can do the crazy sort of uh fuzz sounds as well as kind of just a nice sounding fuzz i i, I actually think they've with this pedal they've out the zvex to zvex because <laughs> it is a lot of the zvex stuff is quite lo-fi and that and that's cool but this pedal does lo-fi and and also very high quality yeah uh, yeah, the, uh, the I I always found the fuzz factory pretty difficult to use or to fit anywhere. It sounded great on its own, but to try and get it into a track, especially in the studio, was just kind of almost impossible, really. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Which kind of ties in with what people in the chat room are saying about did you get to play with the Moog System 55 uh, uh, modular system? Because obviously that, I and mean, we talked about this yesterday, but I mean, it's a fairly kind of bold um reissue i mean i know that there's a lot of hype surrounding it and they probably sold them all and they're massively expensive and all of those things but uh, did you actually get to to play with any of that moog stuff Ed? uh i had a quick uh wiggle but it wasn't i i, I really don't like the kind of uh the environment of a uh show to get to know a synth you know no, you it's kind not of really have ideal. like a few a few minutes on something and just kind of uh, oh yeah, that sounds good. That fit sounds nice, but there's not really any scope to kind of get to know something. Um, so I mean, I can't say you know. Yeah, it would be great to have a a Moog modular, but I don't have the money and I don't have the space at all. It's just. Do yeah. you do you think we're going to see some Eurorack action from Moog? I mean, it's uh, I, I notice how I tried to say Moog properly there, just just because I care, <laughs> just because I remembered I should. Do I think, I mean, is there any point? I don't really see the, I, apart from it being branded Moog, I don't really see the uh, the point of doing it. I, I mean, I, I guess they would probably sell, um, they would probably sell them. I, sure. I can imagine people would buy them, but there's so many copies of uh, Moog stuff out there. And oh, I see. There's so actually this, I think this week I just saw, a new company who have released a complete line of uh, Eurorack modules based on the Moog Model D. Right. That's interesting, yeah, because I suppose it's, uh, it's uh, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of been often copied because it's just not been available. Uh, and I, But yeah. I suppose you've got to think, that, you know, Dave Smith has been started to release his Eurorack stuff, and those aren't kind of just... Uh, you know, a Dave Smith filter. You know, they've got a little bit of a twist, a bit of a U-turn, like the uh, the the, the uh, DSM-01 Curtis filter. I've got that there, and that's got a VCA in it, which is actually quite useful. So you've got extra bits and bobs. I mean, those are the sort of things. I mean, are they yeah, kind of... That... Sorry. But that stuff kind of comes from 
the copies as well because I've got a uh, I've got a tip top copy of I can't remember what what filter it is the Z twenty forty which I think is the I think that's a sequential uh, that's a Curtis chip filter I think um, and that has all the kind of uh, that has a VCA and you know control over resonance and um, so I think I don't know other companies can do that I, it's not uh, yeah it's not it's not um, that exciting for me mm, no okay uh, do you think um, I mean this is the other thing that's because for, for me you know in terms of the Eurac I've got here what I need to put in it you know I feel sort of like I don't really think you know LFOs and and envelopes are things that I should get because I could control those digitally from either from other systems or from something like expert sleepers, that sort of thing. So do you think that, that can, there's going to be maybe a move away from um, the utilitarian functioning modules like that and going to challenge people to make more out there and more unusual sounding things for, for, your, for, the, for that format? Yes. And I think there's a lot of people, a lot of companies now are kind of, building into their products, you know, uh, attenuators and um, kind of they're building the utilities into their modules. So their module can do X, Y, and Z, but it can also do all the utility functions as well. Yeah, it's interesting because when uh, now the uh, the uh, Moog, the, sorry, the Korg uh, MS20 desktop, which I've got over there in a box kit, which I, I'm going to have to find time to build at some point, they've included those sort of things. So they've got malts in there. They've got sort of converters from... Uh, uh, quarter inch to eighth inch for the Eurac connection and they've sort of been tweaking those sort of side of things so I mean I suppose even them you know and that's a classic remake effectively they've sort of taken the opportunity to actually tinker a little bit so that would make sense yeah yeah I think that would um, and, and so Rich in terms of uh, I mean we've talked about pedals and that side of things what about actual guitars and actual amps I know people in the chat room have been mentioning the little uh, the 65 amps little whiskey and did you see anything else there that really kind of floated your boat I know that you were talking about Panama which uh, we sadly couldn't get a video from but yeah the, the Panama thing was regrettable because um, the one of the guys who helped design it uh, Beer um, Massad he's uh, the guitarist in Dorge which is uh, Rob Chapman's band, and he he also works with Chapman Guitars. He's uh, he's a really cool guy, and he's sort of a friend of Sonic State. And uh, we went along, and you do these things at NAMM where you go along because somebody you know has released a product, and you you think, well, we'll kind of help you guys out by, um, or we'll try and help you guys out by by filming it. So we went over there, not really knowing what to expect. There wasn't a lot of uh, info online, not a lot of demos online, and me and Rob, um, the cameraman for Amped. Um, and he's a real tube head, isn't he? He's really Yeah, he's he's um yeah, I, I bow bow down to his knowledge on, on tube stuff, really. And we both just heard this little amplifier called the Fuego, fifteen watt double channel, uh, dual channel amplifier. And we're both sort of blown away by it. And I could see him filming, you know, filming the top panel of the amp as it was being played, and I was making the eyes at him like, you know, this is this is awesome, and we're both getting quite excited about it. And then I think um, Beer, the you know the demonstrator and the and the co-designer came out and just said, um, "Oh yeah, this this retails for like four nine nine US dollars, and for a handmade guitar in in Panama, which is a pretty cool place. Uh, sorry, handmade amp in in Panama, which is a pretty cool place for something to be made. Um, that is just a great price. Two channels, um, 
sounds great. Clean channel was great. The, the distortion channel was great as well. So really excited about that. They also had a four channel, 100 watt amp that, um, you know, unless you're, you're touring arenas, you might not have much use for. Um, but that it sounded great at four very different sounding channels as well. So I think they're a company to watch out for. They're called Panama Guitars, even though they make amplifiers. They also make um, high quality cabs. And that is the one thing at NAMM you're never sure of, is that the cabs that the amps were coming through were obviously very high end, very expensive, and a lot of time and effort been put into developing them. So you kind of hope that you get the amp head back home and that it sounds the same through your rig. But I use an Egmata Rebel 20, which is not massively different to the um, the Fuego amplifier, and I'm thinking of maybe chopping that in and um, going with the Fuego because even though I'll be sacrificing five watts of power, it has two channels, which is um, which means more flexibility. So that was cool. The Lil Whiskey from 65 Amps, which is a, a smaller version of the um, Whiskey they released last year. My mind's gone blank on wattage, but um, it's uh, much much smaller version so you can get the whole point of the whiskey was you could get those kind of 80s um hollywood distortion sounds but with the lil whiskey you can get those at lower volumes um which which is cool and obviously it's a little bit lighter a little bit more compact um and to be honest everything that 65 amps do 65 amps do is always brilliant dan ball is a bit of a genius and just chatting to him at nam um, you learn so much. I learned so much just, you know, being in a room with him for 30 minutes and talking about stuff. The care and attention he put into the color bender and the, um, sorry, the color face and the color bender uh, fuzz pedals they've done is just phenomenal. Um, you know, the perfect way to approach creating a pedal, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, you know, they're they're always doing they're always doing brilliant stuff. It's quite expensive, but um, that's the only downside. In terms of guitars. I actually specifically kind of went to the show wanting to find innovative pieces of gear. So, um, guitar, weirdly, as a guitarist, guitars weren't massively on my radar. Uh, and I'm the kind of person who has a lot of kind of mid-range guitars rather than going for really expensive ones. So I've always been more into the gear side anyway. I've sacrificed the, the quality of my guitars slightly so that I can um, build a cool rig. So didn't see loads of amazing stuff. But there was an interesting eight-string uh, Ibanez guitar with fan frets. I find the fan fret system interesting if you're into that sort of thing. It basically means that you have a longer scale on the lower strings uh, and a shorter scale on the on the high strings. Um, oh, what? So they, they kind of go like that? Yeah, they're like slanted slanted frets. They're nothing, they're nothing new, but I think Ibanez might be the first people to have done them, uh, the first big company to have done them on seven or eight-string guitars, which means that that particular market of, of gent and metal players and stuff are, are quite excited about it. Um, and, and also it's cool that there's a Matt Bellamy signature guitar that's available to the public, but it doesn't have a chaos pad in it, so what's the yeah, point? Yeah, what's the point in that? I have <laughs> yeah. to say, um, at the mention of 65 amps, I seem to recall there was a party, perhaps, that, uh, that both of you uh, uh, arrived at. And, and I would like to say at this point that um, uh, Ed, not having ever been to NAM before, um, I guess let off a bit of steam, but I mean, generally the party, I mean, because there's always that party, isn't there? The, the party that John and Depp goes to, which you managed to get tickets to, Rich. And uh, yeah. you, you, you kind of, uh, I don't know whether you let the side down by letting a sort of synth imposter into the room or, or not. <laughs> I, I, I suspect, I, I do recall there was some sort of kerfuffle, but uh, I, I perhaps leave that to, to your, uh, <laughs> your well, expert. <laughs> well, you Rich, you say, you say what you remember of it, and I'll say what I remember of it, maybe. <laughs> okay, so what I remember is turning up at uh, a Catholic boys' school, 
uh, which is slightly incriminating, um, in the in the dead of night and being led through these various paths, ending up at an assembly hall, uh, in which um, a band with a uh, a very foxy female guitarist and singer was playing at the time. And yeah, so we started watching this show, and we we knew that Johnny Depp and Alice Cooper were going to be playing. It's it's a show called the Imperial Ball. It's a charity event run by 65 Amps and Duesenberg Guitars. And um, you never know which charity it is, but it's probably some sort of like rock star rehab. Um, re- <laughs> rehab for old rockers. Um, and yeah, and then Johnny Depp and Alice Cooper came on and started playing Beatles covers. And Ed, by this point, um, who had had a, a few beers like myself, a fair uh, few beers, start, start, started shouting profanities. And, uh, and I don't think I don't think I was that rude, was I? <laughs> the, the best, the best. I, mean, I was, I was kind of in. Uh, I was, I was kind of in uh, split personality because I would shout obscenities at them and then uh, and then dance and then headbang, get my hair out and headbang. Yeah. So, yeah, which um, maybe... really is all the sort of like the the valley dwelling um, posh people that were were at the show. They loved Ed's headbanging. The best bit was when Alice Cooper said something along the lines of like, uh, "I can't believe I'm still rocky and I'm too old for this." And uh, Ed, Ed shouted something like, "You're not too old, mate. Uh, it's a wonder you're still alive, or like you should be dead." Or something like that. <laughs> Rock like, royalty. Uh, yeah, Ed meant some. Ed meant to be funny, but it came out uh, slightly wrong. <laughs> I would like to point out in your in your defence, both of you, that uh, Saturday night is traditionally the Sonic party night. So we had begun the evening with a healthy dose of margaritas around the Marriott pool bar before you went to the party. Uh, and that was probably, you know, that's always a recipe for something unusual happening. And uh, I think, uh, Ed, you, you, you certainly fulfilled your role as the uh, as the, the first time Nama and, and, you know, maxed it out. But this, it's interesting, isn't yeah. it? There's, there's something about the, the whole notion of this kind of L.A. rock royalty that are that, that, that sort of untouchable and uncriticisable. And particularly when you combine, you know, the, the, the Hollywood royalty of, uh, of um, what's his face, Johnny Depp, and the playing ability, because we, we all know he, he can play guitar and has and is in bands or what have you. It's, there's something kind of particularly untouchable. <laughs> and I, I'm glad to see you flew the flag for Sonic, although I, I, I'm not sure you were specifically identified as an employee at that time. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I, I, th- I think in Ed's defence, uh, and like Ed said, he was having split pers- personality disorder and he went from loving it to hating it. Um, it is kind of weird to see people like Alice Cooper, who is iconic for you know such a, a specific thing, and people like Johnny Depp, who I think two days previously to doing that show had come out and said, "I hate it when film stars try to be rock stars," and there he is, like on stage playing Beatles. Yeah, songs. I just um, it just didn't really make any sense to me. It kind of just felt really wrong. Everything about it felt kind of just a bit like. Ooh a bit cringy but then i did enjoy it i you know if, yeah it was strange well yeah i think um i think my colleague rob would have enjoyed it a lot more because um rob has a a, a much lower um cheese filter you know um, yeah where yeah i think i think ed's cheese radar was like going off it was like a, <laughs> it was a pungent uh the mature pungent, cheddar a pungent that, odeur 
Uh, oh, I suppose uh, I should actually. I did mean to say that I was going to do the uh, the ad, and I will do now because uh, obviously we want to say thank you to our sponsors, and I'll play the video, and then uh, we'll na- we'll mention the competition that you can also enter. So uh, remember, I mean this is more on the synthesizers. Isotope Iris comes with 11 gigabytes of sample library to get you started. Iris 2, of course, the advancement of the excellent spectral synthesizer uh, now comes with. Uh, it's got four separate sample slots, not not limited to a sub or a fixed wave that you can mix and match as you like. We've got five LFOs, five envelopes, uh, MIDI expression controllers and macro controllers as well. There's lots of stuff that you can modulate. You see, you get great feedback there. And the sound of it is really quite astonishing. They're very, very warm and fat sounding. Master filter, multi-mode master filter. Uh, you've also got that, obviously, this, the, the, the spectral analysis stuff and the ability to flatten out certain harmonics and emphasize them and draw and do all sorts of stuff. Different looping points. You can drag and drop your own samples directly into it as well. Uh, very much pushing, this ad is pushing more the sort of traditional synth sound. It really does sound amazing, though you can do some incredible sound design for it as well. Iris 2, if you want to check that out, everything comes from there. Download a free 10-day trial, isotope.com slash iris. Very worth doing, I would say. Uh, and also, uh, if you're a regular listener to the regular podcast slot, which is usually on a Wednesday at 4pm, uh, which we stream live and have a chat room as well, you can also... Uh, win a copy of Iris 2. In fact, uh, we announced this competition yesterday, but I didn't have the graphics. So this time I'm going to show you the graphics. So if you haven't already entered, uh, you can win Iris 2 by tweeting out uh, Rhythmic Patches, the hashtag Rhythmic Patches, to at Sonic State. We've just recently changed our handle from Sonic Nick to Sonic State. Seems more appropriate. And uh, Isotope Inc. You tweet that only and you will enter the competition. But um, obviously you've got 140 characters there, so feel free to add some additional comments. We always like to see it and I do I can honestly say that uh, Isotope do monitor this and read it so anything you want to say to them obviously in a good way you can or to us so I see it too so uh, please do enter I want to say thank you very much to Isotope for sponsoring the show and uh, and I, 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 once again you know what tends to happen when we're on a roll talking about Nam I've put it in the end of the show which is perhaps not the ideal slot but you know you could be and while you're while you're actually if you're still here even <laughs> subscribe to us on YouTube because we post a lot of stuff I think we posted something approaching 120 videos from Nam, which is awesome work by these two guys here and the rest of the team and uh, there's still some to go up and also we've got uh, obviously reviews and features and all of those things coming up as well so please do stay tuned for that so um, yeah sorry who was that Ed or Rich that was Rich ah is this, is the, this w- the end of the show well it feels like we're getting towards that um, but you know if you've got okay. more stuff to add then um, now's oh. the time to pop it in because I've I, we, I don't want to bore everybody, but I, I, one thing I did want to say is actually thanks to everybody who um, watched the videos. And uh, this year, um, maybe just, I don't know, maybe because I felt brave enough to actually read YouTube comments at once, uh, people were saying some really nice stuff about our coverage of the show. And um, believe it or not, that's actually kind of uh, way bigger um, in terms of a reward than uh, any fo- any financial reward. Um, which That's lucky. I, <laughs> yeah, because because I work for it's it's barely anything at all. But, and and with buying buying all the gear that I see as well, I probably come back poorer than than I actually go out there. Um, but yeah, it's it's really great when when people say nice things and uh, and thanks for watching it. Absolutely, yeah. No, done a great job, definitely. I, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add as well, Eddie. I mean, because I know we probably haven't covered nearly everything that there was. I mean, that's the nature of a show no, I'm like sure this. There's just... definitely more that we could have. Uh 
covered, but I guess that's the nature of it. Um, top YouTube commenter, our favourite commenter has got yes. to be M- MC Kenick. If he's out there listening, um, we love you, man. Keep <laughs> keep commenting our videos because it it puts a smile on my face every single time I read your comments. Good. I think that's yeah, even I'm, I'm, even I'm, when he's being. Even if he's trying to be, even if it's something that he doesn't like, he just can't be negative. It's just no, it's always, awesome. he'll find a, a nice way to be negative. Um, yeah. Which, which, actually, if you are out there, MT Kenneth, could you follow my personal YouTube account as well? Because um, I could really do with some positive, you know, nice people there as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, anyone who kind of, even people who watch the videos and and say kind of critical stuff, but actually back it up rather than just um, you know, who's this douchebag on the on the video um that's that's always that's always nice but um this feels like a bit of a loving now but i I guess the the one thing i would say about nam is that it was great to see this year um so many little companies doing really well and i think uh i feel way more positive about the industry after nam 2015 uh, and in a way that shows that um the development the rapid development in technology is actually coming from the smaller companies rather than the big companies that have the huge research and development departments so um it's interesting i'm not going to mention any names but there are a few of the big companies on the guitar side of things that i know have the capabilities to be putting out interesting products because they have the people in-house but they did they were almost completely silent at nam so um i don't think too many nams can go past without those companies releasing interesting products and, and still maintain their reputation that they have so as i said no names but um it's cool to see little companies doing well absolutely i would totally agree with that and I, I, like i say i'm very it's very positive that we're seeing small and innovative companies kind of being able to do interesting things i mean and, and somehow get them to market and what have you and they're obviously doing well enough to be able to be at these places and of course you know if that there, there is mesa coming up uh, which is uh, not long now it's like six or eight weeks you know until music and mesa also dance fair yes absolutely dance fair ed yeah, is going I to holland where he will be at the dance fair where there is um, actually also uh, not only artists, but there's quite a lot of exhibitors, and the Schneiders have got a booth there as well, haven't they, Ed? So you're yes, going to be in heaven. Yeah. So we're going to um, we're working hard to try and figure out how uh, how to make it not just the same again, even though we are obviously brilliant. But uh, we're going to try and get a bit more sort of in depth and other interesting things, and we're working hard with Ed to kind of make that happen. But uh, so uh, I think, uh, sorry, going back to what Rich was saying about uh, it's nice to see the small companies uh, doing so well, and what you were saying about that is. It's so nice, especially within these small modular guys. Is the amount of collaboration. Every like all these different like small companies are kind of working on stuff together, and I think that's really positive. Um, everyone's really nice, you know, and I think that that can only be a good thing if all these companies are kind of uh, working together to create new and exciting things. Yeah, I think that's a, a very positive. Uh positive thing indeed so um i think that probably brings us to the end of this uh sonic talk nam kind of guitar and module special i hope uh, your cup of nam is probably overflowing now so uh, now you just need to go and uh, and head back to uh, sonic they're still probably if you haven't seen all 115 20 videos then uh, now's the time to start i think it probably comes to about four or five hours of content so you could spend a day looking at that so uh, yeah that, uh, and i hope you enjoy it but uh, thank you very much rich for joining us um appreciate you uh, taking the time out and um we're looking forward to the next big show yeah can't wait until Mesa and um, I can't wait to have some Frankfurters yes there is that 
And uh, I, Ed, you've uh, well, Rich hasn't been to Frankfurt for a while, so uh, Ed, I'm sure we'll be uh, maybe we'll be able to take him to that excellent African restaurant we went to last time, <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps not. The worst dining experience of my life. Yeah, well, all of those things. I mean, as ever, we'll be doing live blogs and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, stay tuned because we will have some um, features from Dance Fair, and uh, that's it. Anyway, thanks very much to. Uh, our contributors actually thank you very much to the rest of the team that brought you nam and also thank you very much to our sponsors uh, of nam and also the sponsor of this show i uh, isotope uh, we very much appreciate it so thank you very much and that's it uh, we're going to sign off now see you later <laughs>